From Coney Island to St. Mark's Place. From Berlin to Alaska. From on stage at Max's to Tai Chi classes. From Lou Reed to Lou Lou. This is Talkin' Lou. Hello, I'm Jim Callahan. And I'm Paul Colantoni. Welcome to Talkin' Lou. Today we're going to go over Lou Reed's first solo album. Uh, we could have done a talk, a podcast about the Velvet Underground albums, but they've been done to death. So we're starting with Lou Reed, Lou Reed. It is, it's a weird place to start, but Lou was not a traditional artist in any sense. He had one huge record, which is the one coming up next. Just Transformer. Transformer. But after that, he was sort of a guy on the fringes. And the Velvet Underground only became something that people really understood and appreciated long after the fact. It's been said that the Velvet Underground, like anybody who saw them back in the day, or bought a record especially, they started a band later. Right. You know, but like, at the time... Immediately. Yeah, but at the time, they were kind of on the fringes. I think they credit Brian Eno with that quote. Yeah, he's, yeah give it to him, fine. Yeah, like, like, he, he, he doesn't have enough uh, things, nice things said about him, so, you know, yeah, it's right. fine. Let's give him this one. It's fine. Okay, so his first album uh, was after he got a record deal with RCA Records and was put out on that. Uh, it was recorded in London from December 1971 to January 1972. I uh, was uh, wondering about that because I, I know he, when the Velvet Underground broke up, it was 1970, and he was sort of forced out of that band. In fact, it, in fact, it's actually incorrect to even say the Velvet Underground broke up, technically, because... The Doug Yule, right. who was the guy, who, Dougie, Doug, he uh, kind of stole the band away from Lou Reed. Right, he continued, and, right? Yeah, they put out one more record, which I've never heard. I've always been curious about. I'm same for me too. Yeah, yeah. it's called Squeeze. That's all I know about it. Right, but like, uh, yeah, everybody else that was originally part of the band had left, especially Lou. And so, Lou basically almost gave up music entirely. He uh, worked for his dad. In a, like a clerical sense. Yeah, he was, he was a, typist. a typist. That was the only real job he, he ever really had. Hmm. So basically for a solid year, he didn't do anything. And then finally something clicked and he, and he uh, decided to record music again. And this record is sort of remnants of what would have been a fifth Velvet Underground album and then the beginnings of a first record. But really it's kind of a weird blueprint of what would come later on. Right, I think there's two newly penned songs at the time, and the rest were all previous. Uh, you can find them now, anyway, on. Uh, what is it? Well, they, well, you can find you can find a, a bunch a bunch of songs on the uh, Velvet Underground box set. Uh, Peel slowly and see, and probably other places. Right, at this there's point. the um, oceans and uh, and uh, uh, what's Berlin? What's Berlin. Yeah. Berlin is off the album Berlin, uh, and a couple of songs like come up in other forms on transformer for sure right there's a couple parts that he, he reuses and uh i think you keep hanging around yes that's definitely it. um uh ride into the sun and ocean were definitely going to be velvet underground songs and and lisa says is actually part you could hear that the velvet underground play that on a live record the there's 19, a couple yeah. the 1969 one but uh yeah it's this first record is is strange but it's it's I don't want to say it's good, but it's like it's not the best place to start. But when I got into Lou Reed uh, myself, like I kind of came in into weird. Let's actually just 
before we go into the record proper, Paul, or get into any of the fun details, how did you first get into Lou Reed? Yeah, explain, um, explain where you're coming from. I remember first hearing the name, I think, from my mom, telling me that her and my father were listening to the radio, and they called into the radio station and requested Lou Reed, because they were from New York, my mom from the Bronx, and my dad grew up in Rockland County. They called in and asked for Lou Reed, and the host of the, the radio show said, uh, what are you, on drugs? And my mother said, of course, no, we're from New York. <laughs> Adorable. Which, yeah, if you know her, yeah. Uh, for me, I came into him pretty late, but actually just in time. It's like a lot of things with music. It sort of happens when it's supposed to. Like, right. I uh, was in Tennessee. It was in Chattanooga. I was throwing newspapers in the middle of the night, like a, one of those jobs. That oh, was a job. It was a job. Yeah, I was just, just yeah, doing yeah. this for fun. No, no, you know, throwing I, a newspaper. I, I worked for eight, eight hours, and then for then in the middle of the, middle of the night, I decided, you know what? Let me just for kicks. Let me just throw things at people's houses. Like, like it was bad times. So there was a record store, I believe called McKay's, and I'd heard of Lou Reed. I've heard one song by Lou Reed, but it wasn't actually a Lou Reed song. It's a cover of uh, this Magic Moment, right? Which is on the Lost Highway soundtrack. soundtrack yeah. Really good song. And I'd heard other artists I care about always cite him as an influence. And mm. I've heard about the Velvet Underground, but I never really listened to any of it. Didn't have access to it, or just it just wasn't wasn't on the radio any or anything I was listening to. So anyway, by the time like I uh, found this uh, used record store, and I found what would have been the second disc of a old box set from the '80s, and I saw it had the song "Heroin" on there, which I knew was a Lou Reed song. I like mm. I heard that was supposed to be the good one, so. It was only like five bucks, so I bought this little compilation box set, like CD, the right. second disc, of, like so I got an incomplete set, but it was something, and it was a live version of Heroin. It's and as I found out later, that's that's a song that's like has a million different iterations. Mm -hmm. It's never played quite the same way twice. A lot of Lou Reed songs. I don't think it's possible to play it the same. No, way compared to where it's originally on that very first Velvet Underground album mm -hmm. with a really loud uh, violins to like, you know, I would think like the the live album Animal Serenade in 2004. I mean, like it's it's goes through so many different changes. This one in particular, though, it's got like it sounds like taps because it's got a, a, a trumpet player and it's very slow, and then it builds up really loud and fast at the very end, the last like two minutes or so. It's but it's it was amazing, and then from there I just bought like like at least a half dozen like Lou Reed albums and just I was hooked. Right. It was like I I love the storytelling. I love I love like where he's coming from. It's like I I was uh, floored by like his frankness about sex and bisexuality and where I were. And all these other like foreign things, I just didn't realize people were singing about in the seventies, yeah, especially then. Yeah, it's like now it's like it's more commonplace. I think what's remarkable about Lou Reed is just his frankness, his casualness, matter of fact way of speaking and singing, like everything. Different eras, he's he's a different guy, and it, it always right. reflects that. And his his delivery is so unique; it's like sarcastic or just deadpan a lot yeah. of the time. It forces if he's not singing like uh, uh, if he's not singing like Robert Plant, then you're focusing on lyrics more. If it's just dead yeah. hand delivery, you know. Um, so I had, I guess, I'd heard certain songs off and on in different places growing up, and I think I had a 20th Century Masters or some kind of compilation, one of those cheapo compilations, 
and I liked that. And then just as the years through my 20s got into the full-length records. Because uh, what did they say on Kids in the Hall? Something like uh, Greatest Hits Album for Bored Housewives and Little Girls or something like that. Oh, yeah, that's that door sketch. That's a statement I want to stand behind at all. Uh, well, there's something I, I understand. When you're young, you're kind of like, I got to get the full, I got to hear it all. Yeah. I got to read all about it. You know, I'm, I've been like that with a lot of things musically. I think uh, when I was first, when I, especially when I was first starting to really get into Lou Reed, a lot of his work was out of print at the time. Mm. So just trying to find anything was tough. So I, I did have to settle for a couple of essential Lou Reed, like right. kind of like things that were out at the time. And it's only now in the years since he's died that like his entire catalog has started to come out like remastered right. and like a more readily available but it wasn't the case like 20 years ago okay. so why why don't we uh get into the facts of the lou reed self-titled record well it was released in 1972 and did not sell very well really not exactly it wasn't a great hit um it reached up to 189 on billboard top 200 people would kill for that position today. yeah yeah right I'll tell you right now but, you know, a certain Rolling Stone critic called it an almost perfect album, uh, and it was reminiscent of the Velvet Underground in a lot of ways. And yeah, and this was two years after leaving Velvet Underground. Yeah, yeah, just about. Yeah, it, like, uh, I guess uh, between recording and then release, it's early 1972, it would have been two years. So the record clocks in at 38 minutes and 38 seconds. And for some of the personnel, uh, you have two members of Yes. Yeah, that Yes. Rick Wakeman on keyboards. And Steve Howe on guitar. Another thing I read online, I'm not sure if this is exactly true, but I think this is from Lou's mouth in an interview. He said it was recorded completely in the dark. He didn't want anybody to see what was going on. So they recorded it with the lights out, apparently. Maybe that's why it sounds as sloppy as it does. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But a lot of the drumming I like, a lot of the songs, I'd say majority of them, is like, all right, a song's about to begin, and there's just a long drum. Boom, 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 boom. And then it kicks mm-hmm. in. A lot of drum fills uh, were great. The drummer was Clem Catini, uh, who was actually considered for Led Zeppelin in the very early days. But, of course, it went to John Bonham. But he's played with countless people. He was a session musician. Played with Tom Jones, The Kinks, Jeff Beck, Bay City Rollers, Paul McCartney. He did a, like a Benny Hill novelty song. This guy's a beast. Uh, and then him and John Paul Jones actually played on Donovan's single, uh, Hurdy Gurdy Man. And then there was about 200 other names I'd never heard of. He toured for the album in 1972, backed up by a band called The Tots. The Tots. Uh, it's got interesting cover art from an artist named Tom Adams. Uh, Tom Adams. He did a lot of uh, illustrations for Agatha Christie paperback novels, and he even did an Iron Maiden compilation album. Uh, Edward the Great was the album. He did the artwork for that, apparently on short notice, but it looks really great. It's got the Eddie guys, like an oil painting, and he's got, I think, like three or four like wolves with him. Oh. They're like red eyes. And... I always like the Iron Maiden uh, album covers, even though I'm not the biggest Iron Maiden fan. They've oh, got no? some tunes I like, but I'm not, I'm not knocking Iron Maiden, all right? Yeah, uh, bring I'm... Your Daughter to the Slaughter, that's not your favorite song. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but the album art's interesting. It's got Lou Reed spelled out in these red flowers. There's hummingbirds. In the background, it's a city street. Uh, there's a Fabergé egg, which is hatching. It looks like a metallic basket of flowers. Uh, and there's a tidal wave behind everything ready to crash. And then in the foreground, there's like a flightless bird. I'm not a bird expert. It might be a dodo. It might be... I'm not sure what it is. Uh, what's and what that? this all it's... means, I don't know. Could... I'm going to say it's that bird from tw- the beginning of the Twin Peaks uh, opening 
Oh, is it? Oh, maybe. I, I have no idea. <laughs> you know what? Tell you the truth, Paul. I Another barely... David Lynch connection yeah, already. Yes. Very it's, beginning it's always there. It, it, I barely looked at this album because I don't have a physical copy of it. So oh, it's right. like I'm just looking at like the little basically thumbnail. Yeah, this is like, one I don't have on vinyl myself. Yeah, it's I, I didn't buy this record until very recently. This mm-hmm. was one that like I'll be straight up and I, I want to keep it like in the interest of transparency through this entire endeavor we're doing right here this is one i only just heard like maybe a month ago for the first time beginning oh, really? to end so it's i'm very new to the to this record i'm i'm familiar with most of his work like pretty solidly this one is one i never bothered to check out because i frankly i just looked at the track list as like oh i know almost all these songs from other places right and it just it just never seemed like one was re- like by reputation worth really like investigating further but for the purposes of this and, you know, just to make up for lost time, I'm happy I, I'm happy on both counts yeah. that I finally checked it out. I think besides being entertaining for if anybody listens to this, I never considered myself a Lou Reed expert. But it's like, well, I know most of it. And then doing research even for the first album, it's like, there's a lot I don't know. There's uh, albums I've never heard. There's stuff I know, but like what I don't know with most things in life could fill a goddamn warehouse. Yeah. So, you know, this Grand is... Canyon-sized warehouse oh, in oh. my case. <laughs> I've forgotten more about Lou Reed than you'll ever know. I actually could say that probably to most people, <laughs> but nobody would be impressed one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. That's what's weird. I've been such a big fan of a band like like the Replacements, you know, and yeah. celebrate all, all their work. You're the youngest they... Replacements fan I've ever met. I can't oh, really? say that. <laughs> That's nice. Uh, but they have this one al- album, uh, All Shook Down, and it's like I've listened to it maybe once or twice, and for some reason I'm just like, eh, it's basically a Paul Westerberg solo album. But I've heard there's some other people too. It's like oh, I like all of it except for All Shook Down, <laughs> and it's not bad. It's just you know. Some well, things don't click. You know? Well, you know what? Lou Reed is not going to click for a lot of people. But yeah. I think a lot of people aren't really aware of a lot of the stuff that he's that he's done, a lot of the music, because he was never a majorly commercially successful guy. Right. You know, there, he's he's a guy that, like, maddeningly, in some cases, stayed kind of on the fringes, on the periphery, to, like, just artists cared about him. He's an artist's artist in a right. lot of ways. But, like, the people that love him love him. But, you know, the, there's not a ton of car- crossover there. So this is like, it's almost fitting that we're starting like kind of on a on a weird, a weird one here. Yeah, I'm expecting to learn from this. Yeah. Like a lot. And uh, by the end of it, we'll we'll all be experts. Yes, I hope so. <laughs> that's that's the goal. <laughs> Better or worse. We're going to get to that Metallica mashup. Yes, that's, I, I need to talk about Lulu. Well, that'll so be last, right? That will be dead last. That's the last thing he ever uh, did. Man, he's got a while. I'm pretty sure the uh, Tai Chi one is like at least two records before. I'm excited for the Tai Chi. I haven't heard that yet. In the interest of transparency, once again, uh, starting with this one, which is the one I hadn't listened to, but the only other one albums I hadn't listened to beginning and end would have been Growing Up in Public Mm -hmm. from, what is it, 1980? Somewhere around there. And then uh, this Tai Chi record that he put out, which I don't even know what that sounds like. I have no clue. And then... uh, that's pretty much it. I've, I've heard almost everything else. That Not counting like oddball like live records, but like studio records, I've heard it all. Yeah. So. I like to put on metal machine music when I'm on a first date. Oh, yeah. I mean, nothing gets the ladies hotter than just than whatever. metal machine music. What, metal machine? I mean, shit. It's like, <laughs> if you can't handle me in my metal machine music, you don't deserve me in my Transformer. 
<laughs> or my Coney Island baby. Or my Coney Island baby. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's uh, do like a, a track by track, or do you have uh, something else you want to get to first? I think we can go track by track, except that, you know, there's this, the closing song is called Ocean, you know, and there's a big wave on the cover. Mm-hmm. So that means something. Does it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm all ears, man. You tell me. <laughs> if I was thinking way ahead, I would have contacted this, this artist named Tom Adams. Let's see if he Tom had... Tom Adams. Because there's other things I don't know. Like, was this already a painting he had and Lou Reed liked it? Was it painted specifically after the album came out? Was well, it a commission? He was definitely you know? he was definitely a fan of art. I mean, one of yeah. his best friends, his manager for a while there, was Andy Warhol. Right. His mentor. It was, uh, he called him Drella. But that was his nickname. Huh. It's because he thought of Andy Warhol as Dracula and Cinderella. Oh, my mixed God. Mixed into one. So, Drella. <laughs> because, I've never heard that. Yeah, that... At later on when we get to songs for Drella, that will we'll be all about that. But like Andy Warhol, like huge influence, especially in the early going. Right. But like over his entire career, Lou, who really looked up to Andy, mm-hmm. there were there like Andy was the guy that like he was he he hosted the parties. Yeah, he he put all together. He he got he got everybody to like hang out together. He cared and he uh, gave Lou his Lou read his work ethic in a lot of ways about like. The, the work the work ethic about like making art that was that was like andy's major like contribution to Lou Reed. another connection with like andy is like i think everybody listening knows what pop art is and knows mm-hmm. you know the campbell soup can most obviously but there's a lot of stuff on this record certain lyrics that sound like they could have been from 1956 just certain phrasings and certain things like you know he uh, wrote jingles yes he, he did he did some jingles that that so that probably is carrying over a little bit right I believe there is a commercial if we can find it, like, like that. Like that's probably the one to like insert like right here. Mm-hmm. The Lou Reed uh, Jingles, jingle, right? There's there's yeah, definitely yeah. A, a few famous ones out there. But there's sometimes, especially his deadpan delivery and the sarcasm. It's almost like he's making fun of the listeners. Like, what you like this? Like, yeah. I'm saying like it's dude, there's so many like cliche things he throws in there from early rock and roll that I love. But I love it when he does it because it's like here's Mr. Cool in the sunglasses, but a different kind of Mr. Cool in the sunglasses than 1957. I think also this is this is also because this is such a transitional record for him too. He is he's a little Mr. Cool, but he's also coming off of a year and a half of not doing anything. Yeah, and like he's still trying to like basically find his footing. And there's vulnerability. There, there. there's a lot of vulnerability like that's sort of there. It's evident not only just like in the way the album is like structured and just sort of put together, but it's there's like the really looseness comes out like in later records, mm-hmm. especially the one immediately following this one. This one it's got some of it, but he's still like kind of just like he's sort of waking up. Yeah, none of this you know? like all out rocks. No, it's not going to be on any compilations like Monsters of Rock. I read the the kind of the first one sort of sort of is getting there. Mm-hmm. I can't stand it. Is definitely starting there. Yeah, and it even, sounds like a VU song. And then Wild Child, I think for sure. They, right. Those are kind of the rockers of the record, but they're bummers. I mean, look, Wild <laughs> Child especially is yeah. a bummer of a fucking song. Mm-hmm. You know, the first song. Uh, the I first guess. song can't stand it. Um, I really dig, uh, this is a nerdy guitar thing, because I do play guitar. I really dig the specific guitar tone. Actually, the guitar distortion. If I was a cool guy, I'd know exactly what pedal he used, or what type of amp and combo. And But it just sounds, it breaks up so much, 
but it still like has a thin like tinniness to it almost. Mm -hmm. This is one I believe uh showed showed up for the uh the Velvet Underground, I believe. First. Yes. Yeah. It it's uh it's definitely rockier than the one that uh the Velvets did, I think a little bit. But the right. Velvet even the Velvet one was like an unreleased, I think, demo. But it it kind of it kind of just had like memory serves. It's it kind of just rolls a little better. It's this one is it's good, but it it, it feels like that there's something. I, I'll, I'll straight up. I just I have a problem with the drums on this on this. Album. Oh really? Yeah. I I think they're just too they're too light. Oh okay. You know, it's like it's it it doesn't feel like I have any weight weight See, behind them. I like the drums on this one. I mean, it's a lot of fills. It's not just a steady. He's kind of all over the place, but it's the, yeah, and like the tempo is right, but it's I'm not a musician. It's busy. So this is just me. This is me just like coming through all this stuff. It's so this is just strictly my opinion. All of it. It's just that this we're one, gonna be arguing. Yeah, yeah, and that's cool. <laughs> but like uh, I, I just uh, uh, the the drums. I got a problem with them. Like a minor. It, it's and it, normally it's something I don't think about that much or even notice. But this one, it just this whole album just doesn't have like enough weight to it and it, it's evident right from the start with this record just the way the way it comes out it just this feels like a demo this whole sure. song this out al- and a lot of this album for sure yeah but, it doesn't there's differences with what in my head overall yeah lou reed just sounds like uh in this album yeah it is early parts uh what we do have on this track that we didn't hear with velvet underground uh is a couple female backup singers yeah i do like them yes yeah, they're all over this it record. works well and that almost goes back to like the 50s kind of thing mm-hmm. the love of early rock he had something he soul. sticks with he he definitely sticks with uh especially in some of the live performances he, he makes sure the, he gr- the best line of the song i live with 13 dead cats <laughs> yeah i like that one too um, well the opening line the f- opening line of the whole album is it's hard being a man living in a garbage Pale? pale? <laughs> the obvious choice is can, so it goes with pale. And that's like tells you what you're in for in a way. Just off offbeat, uh, left of center. And it's so like silly. Uh, you think Oscar the Grouch maybe? Or, yeah, I didn't even think yeah, about we that. We do. Yeah. Well, you know, Sesame Street was only a couple years old at that point. Maybe it was a fan. It was around, you think? Yeah, it, no. It, Sesame Street debuted in 1969. It's 1972. Of course Se- it would be a fan. 71, he... 72? I mean, come on. In okay. fact... And since he was like living at home for like a year and a half, right? Maybe that's he was watching a lot of pu- public television. Yeah, could be. PBS, man. <laughs> this is a good rocker for what it is, right. and there's a lot of good rockers on this album. But like, it's just it just doesn't feel finished. Like like the whole like this is the this is kind of what you're in for with this with this first first track. Right. It reminds me when you go to like an art exhibit, uh, but they're like local small time mm-hmm. artists, and you're like. Well, when are they going to finish this painting? Yeah, it looks yeah, half done, I, and you know. I mean, like, it, you start somewhere. It's a diamond in a rough. That's that's what this. I think what we're going to get into with this record, but like, it's not bad. Uh, I want to do uh, mention that he he name checks a uh, candy. That's the same candy from Walking the Wild Side. Maybe right. Candy says it's like he reuses characters that like show up in later songs. Uh, and this one definitely sounds like a Velvet Underground song because it was. Yes. Uh, I think uh, the only other thing I'll add is like I like the guitars on this song and and on this record, yeah. but, it's, but it does that thing that I love to hate, where like you get the best noodling just at the end of the song, and then somebody turns down the volume and fades right, right and it out. fades out. <laughs> I'll I'll, I'll uh, voice my uh, grievances as we go along. There's not not just with Lou Reed and Velvet. There's a lot of those. Like, it's um, of the time. I all think, right, so. for, for an example, I'm thinking of a Kiss song. 
I think it's a deuce. At the end, the guitars really start screaming, but it's like fading out. It's okay. Like, well, if you turn it up all the way, you can kind of hear them really wailing. That's when you need it's the like, live. Why do they fade out? Then? You need the live cut. Then. Yeah, I guess so. That's Maybe that... I do need the live cut. <laughs> deuce by Kiss. Oh, you'll have to tell me what that's like because I don't think I own a single Kiss album. Oh, I have a lot of them. <laughs> I have a. I like the a three tour. record set that was checked out of a library and never returned as stamps all what oh, library was you from. Bad boy. It's the first They're gonna come albums. after you. <laughs> or wait, you got it secondhand. Somebody no, I else bought it. Yeah. Somebody else. Yeah, it's somebody else's sin. Man. <laughs> all right. Uh, do you want to move on? Sure. To going down. Yeah. Track number two, going down. Uh, this was a new track written for this album. Right. It's uh, it's okay. I think. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's piano driven. I guess that would be Rick Wakeman on keys. Oh, nice. Uh, and the backup singers are back. Oh uh, yeah. Second there you go. Song in a row. It's. I guess it's. You could just. As far as I could tell, it's just like uh, just recognizing that you're bottoming out but like sure. sort of being cool with it that that's sort of like the attitude lyrically yeah like a self-reflective ballad yeah. uh as far as ballads go you know on this album maybe the last song ocean you could say is a ballad. oh yeah well. Well, ocean's a better written song mm-hmm. but like it's this this one's okay it's just right. i don't really have a lot lot to say on it it's just like it's it's just like you know it it feel weirdly it feels like kind of like the second song like like we just had like a really fast one, so let's just like slow downshift slow down. a little bit now, yeah. and then we'll then we'll uh, move on, like hit hit up like gear up again, like for the next one. But I don't know this this was not like a favorite of mine. Yeah, and I've listened to the I've re listened to this record like maybe twenty to twenty five times. Wow, since All we right. since we like agreed to like go on this endeavor, right? To, so and since we had like a couple of false starts. Yeah, I've listened to it a lot since so, we started this. Um, it's not the one I. It's not my least favorite song on the album, but it's just not the one that like it really stands out for me. I guess. Right. The only other thing I had was um, I think it's the end of the first chorus where he says "Going down for the last time." Mm-hmm. You hear church bells ringing. Right. Uh, which I guess in a lot of music uh, I've always heard, and I'm no expert on uh, symbolism in music, but ringing church bells often symbolizes death, mm-hmm. and then the lyric "Going down for the last time." So I imagine that's oh, the yeah. so I get, to get across. I, I guess maybe he's dying. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't I, I guess I I for for hearing this one a a bunch, like it just never connected with me. So mm-hmm. it's like this is not the one I've given a ton of thought to. I like I like the singing. I like I like the singers. I like the singers on this album. Right, yeah, definitely. And they're and they're, and they're really nice on this, but this is just uh just not the not the song for me. Moving on to track three, uh Walk and Talk It. And uh, how Lou Reed did not get sued immediately by the Rolling Stones for brown sugar. The brown sugar-esque guitar line. (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's the brown sugar guitar line. (laughs) I mean, if I had a guitar near me that was in tune, I could probably play both of them and tell you the differences. Like, uh, is that guy John Fogarty? (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's, look. No, it sounds like this. It doesn't sound like this. It sounds like this. Uh, The other example you might think of is Vanilla Ice when he's referring to his hit Ice Ice Baby and then the Queen song. Uh, I thought you were Ice was in court playing a guitar for no, the no, jury. No, no, but just like, like the, it's a famous like clip of him going, no, their song goes, did, 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 did. My, my song goes, din, 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 din. It's totally different. It is <laughs> totally different. Uh, this song is uh, going to be redone and rearranged into a totally different track, but like lyrically, it's it's on uh, Transformer. Right. You, you'll, you'll hear, that's on the next rap record, but, so he doesn't throw it away entirely, but, this this song it's just funny that it exists yeah there's pieces of this first record that show up later a lot of this uh record that 
is like just like kind of it's either later or before. That's that's right. that's what's going on here. Yeah, that's all I have to say. It's just he shouldn't. Yeah, I don't know. He, <laughs> it's. I think he's he's sort of waking up on this record. Right. Like, like like getting back, getting used to things. I I. It's this is kind of proof of it. Just like because it's it's nobody like uh nobody like told him hey just a year ago the song was out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Not <basically>. even. <laughs> I mean, there's major major differences in the two so- in Brown Sugar and Walking and Talk It, but I mean that opening it's, line it's like I mean it's may- iconic. But may- maybe maybe you could get away with it in court, but I mean like in the court of public opinion and mine, it's no. <laughs> yeah. It's like, eh, try something else there, guitar guy. Okay. Uh, Should we move on to Lisa says? Lisa says the first uh, uh, says song of his solo career. Yeah, there, a lot of people are saying. Many people are saying, like you know, Lisa Candy. Good, good Ca- time, Charlie. Yeah, <laughs> good time, Charlie. It's a, term, it's a term I guess I've heard before. I mean, like Charlie was a very popular name. Just I think because Vietnam is something. Oh yeah, it's, I didn't it's, even it's, think it's, of that. It's, it is of the era, but like there, there's a lot of. I, I think going forward, it's a it's a good thing to point out. Looking it, for a good time, Charlie. There's a lot of. It bo- might mean something that we don't even know about. I'm gonna have to look it up. But yeah. I like the term. I think yeah. I'm gonna use it in casual conversation <laughs> from now on. You know, what's a, a term that shows up in a lot in other, other songs is the like two bit, like you and your two bit friends, your right. two bit psychiatrist, like that. Sure. that all the that's like such a like an old expression that I I remember hearing even a little bit when I was in the like growing up in the 80s right but like it just it doesn't show up in casual conversation anymore no, popular commercial culture it's it's gone but it's nice to see it like sort of like i don't know memorialized for lack of a better word right now like in these songs the other thing i want to say about uh, lisa says is after listening to this album 20 times i think i'm finally prepared for the dramatic change like midway through the song where oh, it yeah. becomes something completely different yeah it's, <laughs> it's a false ending and then you have that long bridge uh it's almost like a is a beatles rhythm a bouncy kind yeah. of rhythm it's way more upbeat it's why am i why am i so shy part yeah uh, which is great so we do that for a while and then we go back to one last chorus to close out the song and i should know this song better because it is on a pretty good live velvet underground song mm-hmm. like a uh, live album Right, uh, the nineteen sixty nine, uh, like it's either volume one or volume two. Okay, and and that's a really it's it's a really nice little performance, and, but like it's just never been like a a song that I've loved. And also, it's like it's a precursor to specifically Berlin and Caroline, the and that album and the song Caroline says like elements of this song get reworked into those two songs on the Berlin album. But we'll get to that. But unfortunately, this is like a lot of this this taught this. This going through this album is just like realizing like oh he's gonna do other stuff later right right so it's it's a little awkward it's like a preview yeah, yeah. Of what's to come yeah because um, it didn't sell uh, especially well and didn't chart super high but I don't even yeah I'm sure they didn't even really push it really hard because they knew they wanted to try to do something bigger later uh, the, the only other thing I want to say is just uh, just to, in terms of the uh, the throwbackness of like that weird bridge. If, for whatever you would call it, it it kind of reminds me of some of the nineteen fifties like jingly yeah. stuff that Lou was like doing back in the day. Right, he was writing those yeah uh, like commercials or like in pop. Look, he did like weird pop songs. Yeah, it was the ostrich? Yes, the song. It's like uh-huh. novelty songs. Yeah, right? novelty songs. That's it. Yeah, it's. I think that so he sort of like almost 
like memorializing or paying tribute to like a form a former version of himself even just by like doing that in this song he loves this like phrasing and these type of old-timey sayings and stuff that he's almost like i mean him being so deadpan goes with it too that must be what's throwing me off. I, like as much as I love like, like Lou Reed stuff, good I time think... Charlie was probably said a lot in like the late fifties or very early sixties. Yeah. It's so like <laughs> it's so not dangerous and yeah. so not what you think of Lou Reed when you when Lou Reed pops into your head. It's not dangerous or, or seedy in a way. It's like innocent. A lot mm-hmm. of the, these old time rock and roll phrases he uses. The next one is track five, uh, Berlin. This song has uh, multiple iterations that I've heard. Um, right. That of, and, of course, this is the song that will be the... It's the album and title track of the the third third studio record, Berlin. And it's... Say, he's beginning. He's already beginning to write that album. And this is proof of that right here. Right. And uh, that record is one of the darkest, like, concept albums ever made. And i like the the bones of it are here but this is not the version i like i don't even i think the the version i like of it best is uh on uh the live take no prisoners album okay which you see actually a little bit of the bones of like kind of the rockier elements on this one but like on the um album berlin when you hear this song it's it's much shorter it's much more low-key it's piano piano driven mostly mm-hmm. and then it just sort of is like we're just like checking in and then like hey welcome to the record and then let's move along yeah this kind of has the soft loud soft dynamics where it's almost like lounge music in the yeah. beginning i mean it's it's got that like in every iteration but like but like there's like some real sinister like attitude toward it even even with like cheesiness of like champagne chardonnay on ice like that like all 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 that like stuff it the the lyrics portray like just the mood and what it sounds and what, like, what it actually is and then the the only other thing that's unique to this record in this version of the song is the obnoxious upbeat ending what's once again <laughs> the way is like the way this uh, song closes out it it that's not on like the album cut of uh, berlin or in that live live cuts i've heard yeah but that midsection where it has uh that staccato guitar riff uh going over the piano and they kind of intertwines really unique mm-hmm. for this record and just unique in general I yeah think. and then you're back to the uh the quiet cafe music you know it yeah. even says candlelight somewhere in the song i'm sure yeah, and so yeah. you almost picture it it's a dark uh song like for what it is like in like uh in relation to the rest of the berlin album but right here it's like it's kind of hard to say like what he's going for because it just it's it's so tonally all over the place this is just like it's kind of my least favorite song on here, and okay. just because of like I know this is done better, like later on. So right. it's kind of a it's a frustrating listen. See, I sometimes like with bands finding old, you know, when they re-release old demos and stuff like that. Yeah, that's not something I'm going to listen to all the time. Like they had the Fugazi demos came out, uh-huh. and just uh, you know expanded CD sets I used to get when I was younger, and especially with the new replacements reissues, they have all demo versions and live stuff. And I don't know, I don't listen to the demo parts all the time, but for once in a while, it's like, oh yeah, I remember that one yeah. bridge was different, or the lyrics were different on the early takes, you know, I get interested in stuff like that, but usually only with like my favorite bands. Yeah, it's, it's, that I, I think I'm the same way. It, it, there's definitely Nine Inch Nails demos that I, that I really like, sure. or just, or find to be interesting curios, but at the end of the day, like sometimes the album is the album and that's, that's right. the good stuff. 
right yeah, there. I'm, I'm like, it's it it's can be case by case, but especially right here, it's just this song in particular. It's just it was it it doesn't work for me here. It doesn't work but, for Jim. You heard sorry. it here. <laughs> Thumbs down. So track number six, I love you. I actually really like this one. Yeah, it has a finger picking guitar, which is not at all what you think of when you think of Lou Reed. No. Um, Although he has a lot of versatility over the years, different types of sounds and different types of instruments, just the finger picking almost like a Bob Dylan y uh, uh, folk guitar approach on this one. Yeah, I'd never heard this one actually. This one was like completely new to me. Mm-hmm. So, like, and it was, it was a, it's a real treat. And like, after listening to it a bunch, it's probably my second favorite song on the album. Okay. Like, at, yeah, as, great. as it stands, it's, it's really sweet. It's, it's just, it's, it's what the title is. It's just like he's he's in love, and it's really it's really nice. Mm-hmm. It's it's take just, on it. Yeah, it's it's just cool. That there's there's nothing got nothing negative. No no notes. It's just no just, notes. It, it's it's uh like uh it just like kind of stands stands on its own and like it's love lose way. Yeah, it's it it's it's not doing a hell of a lot, but it doesn't need to. It's no. just like you know, it's a solid little song. It's pretty good. I'd put it on it. If I was still making uh, mixed CDs for girls that wouldn't talk to me, uh, then I'd, I'd throw it right in there. That's kind of a power move, putting a song called I Love You on, yeah, <laughs> on yeah, girls yeah. that don't know you exist. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe that's how I've been doing it wrong this whole time. Oh, I mean, I, don't, don't take advice from me, dude. <laughs> I mean, I, Kiss, I Was Made For Loving You, track one. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Kiss, I Was Made For Loving You, track two. How about Kiss From A Rose by Seal? Okay, that's track three. <laughs> that's a power move as well. To kiss twice, the same song twice in a row, and then seal. And then, then, and then Lou never gonna survive, track four. And then that's it. And you waste 72 minutes of, of the blank CD. I feel like, oh, you're, oh, you're just gonna leave the rest of it blank. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but it'll still keep ticking, you know, like, what's like, coming up? Nothing, nothing. man. It's, it's a big void. It's a big void. <laughs> that was an odd departure. All right. Track it's- number seven. Uh, Wild Child. Now, this is my favorite song. Is it? Yeah, totally. I, uh... There's so many names, again. Yeah, this one, uh, I mean, like, I'm... He's name-checking a ton of people, most notably Lorraine, who is the the said Wild Child. Right. Maybe she's real, maybe she's not. I've known this song, about this song for a while. Not this version, but there's a live record, which you can see part of at the very end of that really cool Velvet Underground documentary, where it's, uh... Lou Reed, John Cale, and Nico performing at Libata Clan. I'm not, I'm not saying it's it's a the famous uh, French uh, theater. Okay. Uh, in recent history, that was the place where Eagles of Death Metal like had that horrible terrorist attack. Oh, right. In 2015. Yeah, that was awful. But like that that place like beyond that horrible history, it's like you know it's famous theater in France. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, in 1972, uh, like that they played the song wild child and i've i've heard that live version for for years because i love that that uh that album that live album and uh this this song is just cool it's like i've known i think lyrically it's great because i I like songs and lou's really good about just talking about people that are like just like really out there this song's about a woman like living on the streets and just like that a lot of people like know about that have problems of their own but they're even the most like fucked up individuals in this song are always like thinking of like this woman, right? Like, you know, you have, "Hey baby, can I have some spare change? Can, can I break your heart?" Yeah, it's great. It's um, really, really good. And it was the rain, always back to the rain. Uh-huh. Um, and just with so many names, 
<laughs> not to get back to it, but it's such a great lyrical device because it's like, well, you have half the rhyme done already if you uh-huh. just make up a name. Yep. And if you if you get stuck, I just throw Corey in there. Well, you're probably <laughs> not singing about Corey or Jeff. I mean, but... maybe they're real people, but like maybe maybe they're not. I mean, like I think it's a with with Lou, it's a safe bet that it's pro- at least a fifty fifty chance that there's a real person in there. Yeah. What yeah. about the Grateful Dead? You think all those names are? I'm just let's just saying right now. Grateful Dead recapture. What would we call that? Touch of gray. Touch of boring as shit. That's all I know. And track number eight, Love Makes You Feel. Another song with love in the title that's yeah. not nearly as good as I Love You, that song. I really like this one. It's like dissonant. Uh, and it's a part, there's a part in it, in the bridge, that always makes me laugh. He goes, and it sounds like this. And it's like, what, a Tom Petty riff? It sounds like Tom <laughs> Petty from the future uh, doing American Girl or something like that. But just like, love makes you feel ten feet tall. It's like, that's not what love usually makes me feel. No, <laughs> like I mean, being infatuated, maybe. maybe. That's, it, that's that's more what this song is. It's just infatuation. Yeah, it just, it doesn't work for me. I don't know. I feel, it, this one just feels schmaltzy. Whereas it's a little other, goofy, yeah, yeah, but I like it. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, it's just, it. This one doesn't work. I don't really have a lot to say about it. It's, <laughs> you have some strong opinions, man. I have to have strong opinions. Yeah, I, it's, it's just cool. like other. It's my right now. I, I need to. I need to come in strong. I need to be like focused. I need to care. Is this how uh, it's gonna be? You're gonna have the strong opinions. And I'll just be like, I think it's all great. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I'm not saying. <laughs> I'm sure, there's that. stuff I'll the, make fun of. There is, yeah. I mean, like we'll get there, but I'm sure I'm gonna have like hotter takes on like songs you're gonna probably like think i'm ridiculous for loving okay so, we'll see you know and then other ones where it's like i and the reverse is true where like there's there's songs that are probably more beloved or just that people think are good and i'm yeah. not on board for and not on transformer though i mean I, i'm pretty sure it's gonna be like a love festival right? oh yeah totally so. uh but as it goes on i mean we're, we're probably gonna do some arguing yeah and i can't wait for now, let's we're sort of going back into the past with uh, "Ride Into the Sun," right? Which is a Velvet Underground song, and uh, tonally, like lyrically, this is this is all wrong. I mean, like because lyrically, it's really well written, but mm-hmm. it's re- it's a really sad song. So it just for me, it does not pair well as like the rocker that he turns in like here. It's like way too upbeat okay. for a song that like would be better where you're about to hang yourself quite frankly yeah well i could see this as a major influence on bands like the smiths yeah with the higher register guitar picking and like the slow vocal meter and like deadpan delivery like morrissey had Mm -hmm. um but i never really thought of those two acts being related at all before but now it kind of makes a lot of sense i didn't think so either actually that's that's really that's really amazing that's awesome and then ride into the sun as a title i mean you think it'd be a perfect last track yeah that's true but we have The Ocean. Track 10, the final song on the record. Uh, this is one of my favorite of, of Velvet Underground songs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not badly adapta- adapted here, uh, but it's just not as good. Does I, the Velvet Underground version have a big gong in the beginning? No. Oh, okay. I mean, like, if you like gong, I mean, ho- I ho- boy howdy, you got you got it. You get a, two big gongs, like, bookending this song. But uh, no, uh, you can even hear a this song at the end of that velvet underground documentary right it's that just it's better there it's it's just they did it better the first time and mm-hmm. it, like it's it's a really pretty song i love the chorus riff like with the uh, the guitar there right 
you know that's that's really like good steps yeah yeah but like it, it's a swing that he's going for with but but like and i like the way the uh the singers like sort of like go like like they're in the ocean and the, like like he goes here comes the wave and then they're it feels like they're getting wrapped up in like yeah, a big wave totally there. like churning like so, the guitars yeah. and cymbals especially uh towards the end like i think it comes up in the beginning too where uh-huh. the cymbals are doing like waves crashing and then we think of the album cover which has a tidal wave on it right uh, about to crash i just don't yeah i just don't like this version as much right. it's just i think he are he, he already struck oil the first time with with the with the the old cut but I understand where he was coming from at the same time because he was trying to really establish himself and make sure that this song... Because I think Ocean wasn't even on Loaded proper. Uh-huh. So it, it might like have been like... expanded edition. It was like, yeah, it was the one that was like left off left off there. Same thing with Ride Into the Sun. They're both like supposed to be on Loaded, but they're left off of there. And this one has that soft, loud, soft dynamics again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's easy to forget how influential he was with this stuff. Like, um, whether it's obvious choices like... The Pixies or Pavement, uh, or less obvious, like we were talking about the Smiths. I don't think of them sounding alike at all, except for that song. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, like it's a decent closure of the record, but you know, it's just the record is what it is. It's right. like you know, it's like this uh, podcast right now. It's awkward. Awkward, right? <laughs> awkward. It's fitting. This is our first episode. Yeah. Uh, that you and I have ever done together on any podcast, uh, but we started with Lou Reed because we're both fans. And yeah, well, this is a somewhat awkward album. This is a somewhat awkward episode. We want we want people to uh, join in, join the conversation, like uh, that crappy Pepsi commercial said. No, cut that, <laughs> cut that, cut that. Now, now, uh, seriously, uh, like we're not experts on the subject. We're no. learning here, and uh, we want to learn. We want to learn with you. We hope we can, going forward, we uh, provide a new context for certain songs and maybe you'll listen along with us as we go through these records and then with social media um let us know what we missed because we want to know if there's absolutely um, some of the personnel some of the uh producers and engineers uh you know a lot about them do you let know something know yeah do you know something about the songs something like we didn't cover more yeah. context toward the songs we're we're gonna go through these the be- as best we can uh i'm uh i'm going through the Lou Reed uh, biographies as I find them mm-hmm. and and finding as many context clues as possible. But we can't know everything and we're not trying to know everything outright. We're just, more than anything, we're just we're just talking here. Yeah, we're just talking Lou. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I really wanted to do this because it's like, yeah, I know a lot about Lou Reed and then the, more I, then the more I look into it, I don't know the first, you know, I know what everybody else does and then a little more. You know, I know, I know. I care. I think about Lou Reed more than most most people might care. Not right. to you not to not to inflate myself too much, but like just in all seriousness, just like I care. I've I've bought like a, a ton of his albums, right? But not everything because he's had so many, and I and even the stuff I've bought, I've digest I've digested some of them more than others. So this is a right. perfect opportunity, an excuse, really, to really just go through the whole thing yeah and really go through all of them see what miss- we missed and so see what we're going to discover more yeah, than anything else metal machine music the yeah. album with metallica yeah uh i think we're going to try to do the live albums too because it'd be interesting to know uh where they were rec- recorded who the personnel was playing back up for them yeah uh, what the the venue was like that he was playing at in which city i think that's going to be really interesting and worth us covering absolutely i can't wait to get into it this is going to be a lot of fun paul yep so uh, check us out when we post episode number two. We are doing Transformer. Vicious.
vicious. No music, no music. No, my God. Sue us. <laughs> Don't even sing it. This is going to be tough. <laughs> hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you enjoyed what you heard, please tell all your friends and give us a positive review on iTunes. If we missed something you think we should have covered, please send us a DM on Instagram. We're at Destroy All Radio Inc. Inc. And uh, let us know, and we'll talk about it on an upcoming episode. If you want to hear one of Lou's novelty songs he recorded in the early days, you can find it on YouTube under The Primitives, and the song is The Ostrich. Our sources are Lou Reed, The Life by Mick Wall, Dirty Boulevard, The Life and Music of Lou Reed by Aidan Levy, Lou Reed, A Life by Anthony DeCurtis, Pass Through Fire, The Collected Lyrics by Lou Reed, Between Thought and Expression, The Box Set, Notes by Rob Bowman. Main lines, Blood Feasts, and Bad Taste, a Lester Bangs reader. Edited by John Morthland. Talkin' Lou is brought to you by Destroy All Radio, Inc. We've been talking over here, but you've been listening over there. <laughs> what does it even mean? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>